Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amaze and Perplexed podcast. Today we're going to be uh, doing a passage at the very end, like the very, very end of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 16, and the passage that we're going to be discussing is not found in some earlier manuscripts, uh, and so in most of pe- most people's Bibles, if they're you know relatively new, like in the past 20 years, you'll have a little thing where it's like written in italics or whatever, um, just to let you know that in, in most early manuscripts, it's not there. What we do with that, I don't know. I, you know, who, 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 who knows? Um, I am completely okay with the reality, I'm, Jason can speak to this well, I'm completely okay with the reality that this is 100% Bible and it's everything goes with it. And I'm also okay if I get to heaven and, and God's like, no, that wasn't like, that wasn't really exactly meant to be with it. You know, okay, that, that that's completely okay. So it's one of those weird things. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I feel about it. My, my sentiment about this, and there's sections in John and other places, uh, is that God, if God is all powerful and he wanted it not to be here, I think you would have figured out a way to remove it. Now, yeah. that that may be such fallacious. Fallacious? Can I say that? Salacious? Uh, salacious? No, no. Like fallacy. Like uh, phallicatical. <laughs> you got <laughs> reason. it. Got it. But anyway, but that's, I'm sure it's phallicatical. No, I think I think that's, uh, that's probably a cuss word in German. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, German listeners. I think German sounds a little bit cooler than that. Although no, I do think so that sounds true. cool. No, I think that, that that's kind of where I tend to lean. But then there's the possibility. So the Bible is, this is a whole other thing, but the Bible is, are these manuscripts, are these like works, are these books um, slowly curated throughout the centuries through the early church. Then they basically, the, the process of the Bible becoming the Bible is like all these individual like church communities going like, yeah, this is the, these are the ones, the Bible, these are the ones that are not the Bible. And the, it gets codified and, and uh, go read the Da Vinci code. If you're not just kidding, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, um, now we're done. No, I'm, I'm just I kidding. knew our relationship would end just like this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but um, so basically over the course of like the early church, a couple hundred, you know, 100, 200 years, however long you wanted to to talk about. I'm not I'm not a not a scholar in that way or anyway. Um, but I, I, I do think it's important to recognize that. And let's just say for argument's sake, Jesus comes back 10,000 years from now. If this is the process by which the church decide, like, you know, codifies. OK, you know, what's 2000 years like, you know, 200 years of people decide of, you know, God basically figuring out what the Bible is through people. Um, what's that to 2,000 years? What's 2,000 years to 10,000 years? I lean towards more your direction, um, but we're part of this ancient tradition of this crazy text um, written written by multiple people and inspired by God. And to, to be able to say concretely what God is up to throughout all of history and it would just be very hard to do. So um, yeah, Jason, if you'd read it for us. I'll do it. I'll start in uh, verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. Keeping in mind, this is after his, his, obviously it's after his death, burial, and resurrection. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. 
After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Well, I'm glad they didn't leave that in the Bible. That's confusing <laughs> stuff there. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. So oh, it's in the gosh. Bible. Let's discuss it. So as you reflect on these words from Jesus and mm-hmm. these descriptions of his last actions on earth, uh, yeah, what amazes you about this? Yeah, I, I think just the, the fact that Jesus... It's so funny. The it, This could be perplexing, and it probably would be if it was a different day. But in this version, the last few things that Jesus shares with the disciples before he ascends to heaven, um, it is so it, it is so incredible to me that, like, the rebuking aspect of it. Um, basically, Jesus coming to these people, like, the people that see Jesus at the tomb have been with Jesus pretty much his whole— like, they've been right alongside the Eleven. Um, and it's almost this, like—it's almost this, like—, like it's almost as if you wouldn't be um, as doubting if three or four of you came running from from the tomb. Um, and it's just this really, I don't know, it's just this really interesting way. Um, we talk all the time about the group dynamics of the disciples and Jesus and, and how close are they, how close are they not? What, what about everybody else around? Um, we do know that, that the people who see the empty tomb, the women that see the empty tomb, are around these people like they're, they're all pretty close they're all you know in close contact and so just that this is jesus reaction um is so in this instance is so interesting especially compared with other times that there's doubting other times that they're not sure like when he comes into contact with thomas or um like just like that he seems to be mad that he, they don't trust um trust the women that's just really it's really interesting to me you know that uh, just yeah I, I love all that the uh the dynamic, the assumption is that there's space between time between 14 and 15, that this isn't all in the same time because of the other Gospels, and I assume these are complementary, not contradictory, is that, so I've got my bias working there just so everybody knows that, but it, but it's the idea of... Are you saying you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible? <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry. The, uh, I'm, that, was, that was terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't derail conversations that way. So... Mark is I, again, I, like like Connor said, you know, I, I'm not an expert in this in this field, but I do know that Mark is told in a very clean way. It's the shortest gospel. By clean, I mean it it moves from action to action. It's for I think the the Greeks. This is specifically for them, maybe the Gentiles. But either way, it was a very action oriented book. You don't have a lot of preaching in the book of Mark, so he is moving quickly from activity to act, or event to event. You know. And so the assumption here is that after he appears to these apostles, you know, he eats then, and then later he sees them on the shore, you know, John reveals, so, and then, you know, the other things. And, and so you have these, and probably why this wasn't included, it doesn't mean it wasn't available, but it wasn't included in these first manuscripts. My guess is because this says different things than the ending of Matthew and the ending of Luke, and John doesn't even deal with that, this, you know, these interactions. So that's probably why. But but I love that that part. Getting back to what you said amazed you is I've never thought about this before. Yes, Peter and John saw the empty tomb, but in my count, only the two men on the road to Emmaus and Mary saw Jesus. And they were told, go tell, you know, like the two men to Emmaus, they're, they're eating with Jesus, and all of a sudden they realize, you're Jesus. And because uh, he hid himself in some way from them. And then uh, they get up immediately, even though it's nighttime, and they walk, which means there's a certain amount of danger, because earlier they tell Jesus, they're like, you need to not be out walking on the road at night, you know, and they get up at danger and go back, but the apostles wouldn't believe them, and that is such groupthink echo chamber 
that mm-hmm. I am so prone to mm-hmm. is that, oh, wait a minute, did an insider tell us this? No, I never say that. But but you're I think you're exactly right. If Peter and Thaddeus and you know Bartholomew would come back and say, We saw Jesus and he told us to wait here and here's the instructions, I think most of them would have wanted to see him, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they'd be okay, okay. But Mary and these two guys and oh why why would Jesus choose them? Yeah. When we're us, you know? And I think that them us, I never noticed it before. But God, obviously, Jesus obviously could have chose to appear to anybody he wanted, and he intentionally, seemingly, didn't appear to insiders, and he wanted them to know that they should feel some guilt that they didn't believe, or else he wouldn't have rebuked them. That's good. You know, that that's I didn't notice that, and that's really amazing to me. Yeah, it's in the fact that Jesus wants them to feel this way. They they really mess up in this situation, and then that still doesn't impact the call that Jesus has. Now go, you know, go and be absolutely right. And and that is such a we get this picture of which is so funny because we get these pictures of the early church, and they're so messy. There's so many bad things that are happening. Sometimes we can compare what's happening in early church and like our church. We're like we're nowhere near as bad as they are. Right. And we can look pre Jesus' death and be like, oh, Peter's a racist. Peter does this. You know, that like they're really messed. They're not getting the picture at all. Um, and we get the sense of like, well, that that's before the resurrection. That's before everything. But it's like after the resurrection, they they are still um, they are still needing re- like to be rebuked. And there's something so um, comforting about that because I, I you get the sense with a lot of people. I think we should have reverence for the apostles um, because they're followers of Jesus and they're brothers. Um, and like they, Jesus chose them as people that got to know him. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't know all we know without the disciples. And yet like we can, we can, we can, we can honor them and we can look at like, look at them as brothers and as fathers in the faith that did so much for us and also be able to go, Hey, Jesus wasn't enamored with him. It didn't stop him from rebuking. And it also like didn't stop him from sending. And that is that, that for me is such a hopeful idea um, that, cause like for me, I receive criticism and like, well, I'm just stupid. I can't do anything. Like you see something in me like, Hey Connor, I've noticed you really kind of, you're talking a little too fast in the podcast or like you slow your words. And it's just, you say this, you say like a lot and you breathe really heavily in the microphone. I'm like, forget you, Jason. We're never, you, you can say one of those things really kindly. And my initial inward response is going to be like, Jason doesn't want to ever do this again. Jason doesn't want to talk to me again. We should never do this again. Um, and the way that Jesus communicates here that like he sees a very real problem that needs to be addressed with him. And that still doesn't stop him from saying, you know, go. Right. And this is the opposite of the way we do things, you know, for, to the per- we do not want to give any responsibility or opportunity to the person that says, I really doubt this part. And it's like, uh, that's all God does. Mm-hmm. See, the, the difference is God sees all the doubt in people. We hear one phrase. We, we hear one story, one confession, one whatever, and then we're like, well, we can't, we can't let them teach anybody because of this. And, uh, you know, God always saw all these bad things mm-hmm. about these people and still did this. So this has been going on for years, but it's here. And if you're wondering, well, wait a minute, it, Mark is different than, than, you know, the sermon or the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It's like, no, it's not. They say the same thing we've done podcasts on that where it's like they worshiped him and some doubted. And it's clear in that context there's only the 11 men in Jesus. It's not like there's 500 people with him. You're like, oh, the doubters on the outer edge. No, the doubters were the the apostles after they had seen him, after Mm -hmm. they'd looked at his side and his feet and his hands and seen him eat and, you know, 
seen him either phase through or suddenly teleport in, you know. So he's doing all these miraculous things, and they still doubted. And yet we're like, but if you're going to come to church, don't ever admit you doubt, or that makes you a non-believer. And I'm like, well, then by that same, if that's true, by that same logic, then all of the apostles were non-believers. Because he's rebuking them all for not believing. Now keep in mind, he had told them this was going to happen, and they still didn't believe. Then after it happens— they still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you really, honestly, you can't imagine a, a, a disciple living for thirty years and and some sort of doubt not creeping in at some point about something that God is doing. In fact, we like we know they're not sinful, and we know they mess up, and we know sometimes they like we know Peter might actively choose a sinful way of doing things, and. I think the reality is when when we are presented with truth and we actively choose against that, then that's a doubting who God says he is and his promises for us in our life. And I just think it's one of those things that like this is such a freeing passage. The reason I feel like churches and church leadership can cause so much hurt in people is because church leaders feel this pressure that they have to have, they have to be a hundred percent right. They have to be all put together and they have to be completely they have to they have to be completely in sync and in line with this perfected image of what a pastor or what a minister or what a preacher would be. Um and that is just not what we see in the New Testament. Jesus sees them being knuckleheads and he still is like, Yeah, this is part of the plan. This is this is part of it. My, I didn't think that there was going to be some sort of magical turning point that I spent three years with these guys and then like at then after a day uh, and a miraculous yes. like a miraculous amazing event happens where they like where Jesus dies and they're resurrected and it's incredible. Jesus knows like human nature that like that's going to change everything for them, but it's also not going. I mean, it's going to change a lot, but it's not going to change absolutely everything about their personality. Right, they're every, still going to be who they are. They're still going to be who they are. Yeah, and see, so we say I, I think about this. Who else did the spirit come on and they spoke uncharacteristically? Well, everybody, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Saul. David, Moses, you know, they didn't have the wisdom to say what they say, but the Holy Spirit fills them, and all of a sudden they're speaking this stuff that they don't live up to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? David writes these beautiful things that they call the Psalms, you know, they're just like, man, that guy must have just been moral perfection, and you're like, oh, wait, I wouldn't let him live in my town, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, and it's like you can't say it enough because you've heard it so much, and and man, I am, and you know this, just sharing with the, our listeners— I am about to receive a sabbatical that that's a scheduled sabbatical, and I've asked for um, you know because I've been here twenty years nearly at, at my at my work you know wanting to say okay I need a little bit more time to accomplish these things because I recognize this is me and I'm right in this moment very convicted by this because here's what the apostles did Jesus teach him uh, watch out for the use of the Pharisees. Watch out for the East of Pharisee. He keeps saying, watch out for these Pharisees, because they've always been told, trust completely the Pharisees. He's like, don't trust the Pharisee, don't trust the Pharisee. So they finally get it. And what's the spirit of the Pharisee? Ain't nobody tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, it's like, you can't tell me nothing, because I know. Because I memorized the Torah, and I, I went to all these classes, and I'm with the right rabbi. You can't tell me anything. And the apostles, when given the first sense of freedom— the first thing they say to Mary and the, the guys and whoever else, it wouldn't surprise me if janitors or whatever the low rung that they would think of in terms of societal power comes up. Nothing is janitors. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying. It, you, it wouldn't surprise me if, if we realize, if we learn the full truth, that there'd been like fit people knocking on the door every half hour. I also saw this <laughs> Jesus. And they're like, no, you didn't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it's like we're the insiders now. Yeah. And that is me to a T. Yeah. And if Jesus wanted, if Jesus wanted people to be, to have everything perfectly figured out and memorized after the resurrection, he would have picked Pharisees. If he wanted, those would be the apostles that they would have just shifted how they, how they viewed things.
I, I, I just think it's so powerful to recognize that um, that the burden that we put um, that we put on our leaders is not the same burden that Jesus puts on the apostles. Jesus calls them to be better. He wants them to be better. He rebukes them for not being better. And yet that doesn't stop him from saying, look, you still have a light. You still can shine. You are still um, going to pervade because there's this. We all recognize if we were waiting, if, if Jesus was going to wait to send out the, the disciples. And Jesus Jesus sends out the disciples before the resurrection. Like he sends it out before they have like, before they even understand like what he's saying. And so. And he sends them out with power, which, which makes it even more dangerous. More dangerous. So the fact, yeah. <laughs> the fact that after the fact, after the resurrection, they still don't have it all figured out. Um, this should give us really uh, give us quite a bit of pause um, when we think about what it is to be a leader, what it is to be um, uh, a leader in the church, and what should be the expectation. I, I think this is what gets so many people stuck. I, I remember an experience where I was observing some older ministers. And they were probably <laughs> younger than I am now, but Old at that geezers. point they're older. And they were talking, and they thought they were being so wise. And I, I think there's merit to what they said, but I'm just re-seeing this suddenly. So they, they've been preaching for years and years, and there's a new guy that's in the midst. This is some kind of workshop seminar or something. I don't know. But anyway, but he shows up, and they're talking to each other about him. Matter of fact, I think one of them shared it in a sermon later in that weekend, which now I'm like, okay, you'll, you'll know what I'm like when, when you hear what I, he says. And he goes, you know, we saw this guy coming in with all this energy, and we thought, wait till he gets hurt. And it's that attitude that that you can't tell me nothing. I'm not saying this is exactly what the speaker meant, but that's certainly what I heard, is that guy can't tell me nothing until he gets hurt. And I do think hurt teaches us, but it's the spirit of it. If I'm a leader in Christ's church, I need to be the most discipleable person in the room. I need to be the chief sacrifice in the room. But we've taken American and, and worldly aspects of power, and somebody's got to keep control of this thing. And I'm like, shame on that. I'm not even shame on us. I'm saying shame on that concept. And then we need to say, how much do I participate in this? And I'm not against giftedness and skill and training. And I, I think there, there's 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 certain people that need to be in certain roles. I, I think everybody needs to be in some role in their life, that they're they're connected with kingdom work that's very tangible to them. Yeah, this is how God's used me at this point. Not forever, but for this season, this is how God's going to use me. But the spirit of it, if it's not, I am devoting myself again to being the most teachable person in this room, the most the, the strongest learner, the most discipleable person in this room, that is one step away from being the most legalistic person in that room. And if you can't see it in the disciples, you're never going to see it in yourself. But I think this is one of the reasons why I'm glad this text is here, because for him to go to rebuking them, say, step down, and then say, it's just like when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Earlier he said, hey, this wasn't revealed to you by, by man, but from God. And now he's saying, this wasn't revealed to you by God, this is from Satan. And then he says, Peter, that's from Satan, get behind me. And then to immediately turn around and say, hey, let's go climb a mountain, just you and two other guys, so we can see Moses and Elijah. This is the spirit of God that every millisecond is a fresh start, but we have to be able to accept the No, review. and I think that that is so helpful. And it's recognizing where 
like who you are it's not it's not getting um a full picture of like okay well i've been doing this for long like you talk about i've been doing this for long enough i've been hurt enough i know exactly where it's going it's the idea of like if i'm sitting in a big meeting where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do um with this aspect of church and the janitor pops in and goes man i just you know i was walking by and i heard something you guys said and something has happened to me in my life i've just been praying and this 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 passage just kept coming to me i don't know what to do with it but i'm just going to share that with you is our attitude like Oh, cool. He popped in. Let's get back to what we were saying. Or like, is there a genuine like, why would why would God do that? Why would that person pop in? And there's this the thing right. that the thing that he is rebuking here is that these people have elevated themselves above the women, above the um, the people that have seen the empty tomb because they're not they they you know they're not the the main guys. They're not the ones who um right. who are on the inside. And I think this is like then this can get really hard because it's like well church leaders can cause so much pain so we don't want really messy bad leaders the point that the way that bad leaders the way that we get bad leaders in the church is that we hire people to be perfect we hire people to be perfect we we ask people that if you're going to step into this role then you have to be perfect not hey you're going to step into this role and we need there are some baseline things that that we need from you but the biggest thing is we need transparency we need honesty we need openness we need you to be a light to all aspects of of who you are in this church that's how you have healthy leadership not by having perfect leaders but by having transparency and having light cast upon the darkness and i think this is one of those things where the because these guys were so afraid and they were so scared and they were the insiders they were they were so focused on their power focused on what um, on themselves that all that that anything else from the outside was impossible for them to hear. Right. So so here that that just segues to my perplexed and the confusion. Like I, I think Jesus needs to have more discretion. <laughs> I'm like, you're rebuking them, whether that's days ago or, or minutes ago, and then you're like, go, and I'm like, all right, good, you know. And then he's like, and here is all the power you will receive. You know, your superpowers that you're going to get. You know. And number one, as you see that walked out in, in Acts, they they do go for the purpose of healing. So I don't want to take away from that, but it's quick shift. We're not we're not saying um, if you believe in Jesus, you'll get healed. We're saying watch this healing now. Believe in Jesus, and that is a very different message than than I've seen in the in the in the religious groups that really extol. The, these kind of passages where you're going to have this gift of healing. Matter of fact, once the church is planted, you know, meaning there's established, hey, there's a group here, and they start writing letters back, they talk almost zero about healing, about this list that we have here. And it's a perplexing dynamic to me. It's perplexing from the human part. It's like, all right, but it's me being a legalist to some degree. It's like, all right, they just, they still don't believe you fully. That's That's got to grow. And I know the Spirit's going to come, and it's going to be He's going to be everything that you said He was going to be. So that's obviously encouraging and hopeful. But then you give them all this stuff, which now that usually, just bottom line, once you say you're going to have this, somebody will misuse it. Like how many times have I talked with um, church leaders and other in other groups from what I was raised in, and they're like, "Well, you can't even be saved until you do this supernatural thing." And I'm like, well, number one, the Bible doesn't say that. Then I'm like, God, why would you even do this? You know what I mean? Give this to him. And so it is perplexing. I do believe if God wanted me to, I could handle a snake and drink poison. Most of my life doesn't ever require that. I think what he's not saying is, hey, make a spectacle of these things and make it the centerpiece. And and that's, But 
but how to live this out well, you know, it's, and, and the reason I believe I could drink poison is simply because he's all powerful. But I think what happens is there's a shift to me trusting in my ability to impress you with how I can drink poison and, and, stay, and now I'm leaving God because this is supposed to be signs that accompany it, not the main centerpiece of my faith. But, but still, there's still, so I think I have that figured out, but there's still like, why are we saying this? You know, it perplexes yeah, honestly, I think probably it. when you get back from your sabbatical, we should do like a whole thing on miracles because it's it's fascinating. You and I one time did a did a thing where we when we were going through the book of Acts, like every time we got together, we prayed for specific miraculous gifts um, that we would get because for us, our natural heritage is to be skeptical and to not expect that. Um, and I think that right. that gets to like what like so what you know we can talk about what other people are doing, but our side of the thing, my natural thing is to be skeptical and assume this is not going to happen. Like I, I can believe yes, God can do these things. Um, but it's so hard for me to be like, to, to actually go like, yeah, this could be applicable for me today and here and now. And so this gets to like my issue of like, I need to be open. I need to be open that like, I can't even imagine where, like if, if God put me in a situation where I need to handle, handle snakes, like that is, I, that's a, I would rather do a thousand other things for God. I would rather. And so, but, but like, but is that on the table? Like, is, are these things on the table? The fact that God could do these things through me on the table. Uh, and that just gets to the, the pendulum swing of where we find ourselves. It's so hard. It's so hard to be, um, to be open and honest with these things because there's, there's all these abuses from each side. There are all these um, ways of taking right. it that are just so unhealthy and unhelpful. And so how do we, how do we take this? Um, how do we take this with like, take Jesus at his word and how do we like process it with our relationship with God, with what we see and also reconcile it with our upbringing and how that affects us and how we view things. Um, it's just really hard. And so that for me, that that's always been the challenge. And, and we did that praying for miraculous gifts. And I try to do that at least like at least once a year, I try to kind of go through a month period where I, where I do that. Um, and it, it, there, there have been plenty of miraculous things that happened in my life, but like the specific gifts that I've seen here, like I've not laid my hands on somebody and healed them. Um, and it's hard for me to believe that the that that God would choose me or that that I would I would wield that power in the name of Jesus, um, and yet like I feel like it's also part of my challenge that like I still need to keep praying to God that I could believe believe that He would do that, um, right. that He might do that through me, and that I I could do that through Him. And that's that dynamic of being teachable. That that is just that's a concrete example of if everything He asks of the people in the Bible seemed crazy. You know, these guys should not be disciples of rabbi because Jesus wasn't a credible rabbi, you know, in terms of his education and the process he went through. And they weren't credible disciples. So even that, their everyday existence is like the whole culture is like, what are you doing? You know, and so if I'm not open to facing the what are you doing, you know, today, then I'm probably not teachable. And I think that's that's a good litmus for me. What about you? What perplexes you? The perplexing thing for me is is we okay we don't get a lot of what jesus says here like we the majority the 99 this is always one of those really 99 of the word 99.9 percent of the words that jesus ever spoke we never we don't get to hear um which is just one of those really hard realities to accept um but in this specific circumstance like i'm i'm just like how is there not how is there not more right like this is a big deal to to doubt this to doubt this like I, I've like I've been fired over this sort of doubt, <laughs> um, right? And for Jesus to be like, you, you you messed up on this. Like you need to believe. Also, let's let's and you need to believe. 
And here's the things that come along with that belief. And let's 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 go. Let's do this. The fact that there's not more of like a, a sit down or there's not more of a breakdown of a or not even more of a like Jesus rebukes him for not believing. But it's not like a like, hey, do you guys not remember the 20 times I told you this? That the, the fact that we're not getting that maybe it maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Right. But the fact that the way that God is that God has chosen to communicate to uh, communicate this to us 2000 years later doesn't contain any of any of that. Um, that is just a really perplexing thing because I would love, I would like, and there you get bits and pieces in other accounts, but like there just seems to be so many conversations missing that could be so valuable um, today. And I would just, I, I like, I, I trust God for for why we don't get more of those, but I'm also kind of like, man, I feel like there's a lot of natural things that Jesus would be talking about here that I would love to hear. Right, and I think the takeaway from all this for me is is and it's 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 not like contradictory. It's just so stark here. Yeah. Um, it's it's that message of Jesus is going to tell you the truth, you know, about your stuff. And it has, it does not define your relationship in the least. And that's hard to imagine, you know, because if you hurt me deeply, I'd have to work. And we've got lots of credibility. You know, you get a lot of chips built up in our relationship, but if you hurt me deeply, it would take me a while, even if I wanted that relationship with all my heart, you know, and this is, it couldn't be more offensive to think, I didn't think you were resurrected. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I didn't think you were really the son of God. When when the chips were down, I didn't think you were the son of God. I didn't think you were going to be resurrected. And um, and then to say, I rebuke you. And like you said, he could have gone on for hours. We don't know. And now the mission doesn't change at all. And you're like, something should change. And that's the message to us today. Is like, that's guys, good. don't be afraid of what he'd say to you if Jesus were to rebuke you. Rebuke you because he's, and he's probably doing that right now if we're open to it. But then no, he's like, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is so you can get on with the mission I created you for. It's not to shut you down. It's to open you up. And that's a maybe a lifetime lesson to learn. But man, let's get to it today. Let, let's start learning that today. That, that, is, that is so good. I love that, the idea. You talked, or just real quick, I'll finish up here. Uh, you, you talked about the, how the disciples must be feeling when all the chips were down and they, they didn't, you know. They, they folded. They folded when it, came to, when it came to Jesus and who he said he was. And... The fact that that the, that that would be my natural response is to be like, well, I I didn't come through in the most important moment. I didn't, it, and that Jesus' response is like, no, like, like yeah, that was the hinge on which eternity, you know, <laughs> which goes. But like, but I, every morning is new, and you know, like that, the the healing that that would have, like, I, I if I you know if I hurt you in a really deep and meaningful way that like is a like in a pivotal moment of your life and I and I and I legit felt bad and was worried that we would no longer be friends and for you to be like yeah no that that hurt but hey I still value and let's work like the the healing and the forgiveness and that that would be um, that is just a, a that is a miraculous supernatural mm. sort of um sort of peace and 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 love that uh would be awesome awesome to experience we do experience but it'd be awesome to uh, maybe acknowledge a little bit more. Thank you for listening. Grace, peace, and love.